It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. This next audio trilogy is what I call a repeat, <laughs> but I feel it's appropriate because it's Mother's Day, and the third part of the trilogy is regarding what I really want for Mother's Day. And oddly enough, this will be the first time in my entire parental adult life that I'm going to get what I want. And now, I don't know that I want it. I think we always want what we don't have. Either way, I felt that this was strong enough for a second debut. Three parts, with the last one having to do with Mother's Day. And what I believe you secretly want, too. Listen, you don't have to tell your kids and family the truth, but I know. And if I don't talk to you again, have a wonderful Mother's Day. And I hope you do get everything you want. And more. All right, here we go. It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. With a problem. But it's my own problem. It's my own doing. I created this mess. And the problem is... My day doesn't end until 10, 11 p.m. Why? Well, I have my day job, which involves people in the corporate world that I talk to daily and my staff. And then I have my podcast world, which is after hours, which also involves people that are on my team. And then, God bless my little soul, I have five children and a soon-to-be ex-husband and a man that I'm seeing who's very demanding of time. So here's what happens. I work all day. I get calls from my kids. Mom, can you talk for a minute? And my consistent response, I mean, you'd think they'd understand is, yes, after work. My husband calls me. You would think he'd get it. There's 24 hours in a day. Why does he have to pick one of the hours that I'm working? He's the adult. Oh, So I'm talking to my staff. I'm trying to correct problems. I'm recording spots. We use the antiquated version of AIM, would you believe, to communicate with each other because we all work virtually from our own home studios. So I'm not only talking to people as in on the phone, I'm texting and I'm aiming. And occasionally I'll have a miss because there are so many people I'm talking to. For instance, I missed Two conference calls that were very important. Why? Well, I'm not a pro at Outlook, you know, the calendar. The first one, I have to say, was not my fault. I had to be on a plane quickly for an emergency to get back home, and I never had a chance to call and cancel. So, yes, it is my fault that I didn't call and cancel, but when you're in that frame of mind where one of the five kids or the husband is in trouble, you just go. I was lucky enough to catch a plane on that short notice. The second one was because I suck at reading time zones. I'm just the worst. Not only am I bad at time zones, by the time I get somewhere that's in another time zone, it takes me all the time I'm there to recuperate, and I do recuperate by the time I get back home. There's just something with my body clock that's not like anybody else's. Do you have that problem? I will leave my clocks set at daylight savings time to the way they were 
just so that my body doesn't have to adjust to a new time for an entire year. And then I'm still good when it comes around next time. (laughs) Call me crazy. Anyway, when you miss a conference call, you know that sick feeling in the pit of your stomach? It's like doing a reply all by accident. So I had to live with that the whole weekend, apologized up the yin-yang, but I knew it made no difference because it was the second time. Back to my original story. I talked to people all day, as mentioned, texting, aiming, chatting, phone, email. Oh, you should see my email. By the time I'm done at 4.35 o'clock, my head is spinning. But then it's sugar mom time. Now I need to talk to my staff. All right, what's our next move? Who's picked up the podcast? Who needs to interview me? What station is looking for what? Where are we going next? This call lasts about an hour to an hour and a half. Hang up with that call. One of my best friends calls. Just checking in, want to make sure you're okay, and I'm just about tongue-tied at that point, but I love him, and I will talk to him, no matter what. There's another hour. So now we're at 8 (laughs) o'clock. Then the kids start. Now, you have to figure, when you have five kids, you can't tell them, I got to go, every single time you talk to them, but you have to sort of limit how much time you have to offer to each one. And they all know me well enough to know that when I start doing, well, is there anything else? What else is new, honey? They know I'm done. I'm exhausted by the time I get to number five. And then the man calls. The demanding of my time man who loves me wants to know all about my day. Who the hell has it in them to repeat everything that I've just said to you again in detail, no less? I can't do it. As a result, it's hurting the relationship. (sighs) I am only as good as I get. I can give only so much without breaking. On top of this, I live in Dallas. My kids live in South Carolina. I'm traveling back and forth to see them just to keep the bond close. I took the job to help support the family, but I didn't want to lose contact with my own children, so I try to go back once or twice a month. I'm really struggling here. I'm trying to figure it all out. And I've even gone as far as doing conference calls with my family. But everybody is like they're in radio. Everybody steps all over each other, so you can't get a word in edgewise. And I learn nothing. And they're all in their own little worlds where they have their private little inside jokes, and that's what they do the whole time we're on the phone. So the husband and the wife of these five children have no clue as to what just happened in that conversation. So I said nicks to the conference calls. I'm actually going to have to get everybody an Outlook calendar. The thing that I suck the most at, I'm going to have to teach them to do so we can set up 15-minute increments each. 15 minutes per kid, per husband, per podcast person, per business person. And then I got to give more than 15 to this guy or that's the end of me and him. And don't think I don't wonder if it's just not worth it to walk away just to save my breath. To begin with, I'm not a detailed person. 
I don't remember dates and the names of people I was with on a certain year in a certain place. Oh my God, that drives me insane. He is. Well, you know, I was talking with John, who I met in 1951, and it was on the bridge of Kwai <laughs> during a storm. Oh, God, I can't take it. And so I have to say to him all the time, can we please digress to the point we were talking about? And I feel horrible because I don't mean to insult him, but I just don't have it in me. There's no room left. I'm up to the top of my head. So the next time you hear from me, I might be single because I'm losing my patience with everybody just because there aren't enough hours in a day. And let me not forget about my doggy, sugar dog. I take her outside because most often most dogs that need to go out will run out and pee. Well, this one has to stand there and check the wind velocity so that her ears blow in just the right direction. And if she hears the rustling of trees and bushes, she's shocked and won't move. Her tail goes up. The nose goes up. She jerks around and looks at me. And I'm telling you, by the time she finally decides to do something, it's a half an hour wasted of my day. And then there's that. And my podcast people, they say to me, Robin, you're running out of material. Well, when am I supposed to have time to record it? Do you know when I'm recording this? It's 9.18 in the morning. I'm supposed to be working. But it's top of mind, and I had to get it out because the rest of my workday would suck if I didn't say what was in my heart and on my tongue. So I'm finishing now. This is going to be a shorter podcast because I don't want to be abusive of my company's time. And I feel better now, now that you know what my typical day is like. (laughs) Feel free to tell me what yours is like. I'd love to know. Not everybody can be as crazy as me. Or maybe I'll meet my soulmate out there who is. Now, coming up, I want to talk about the bond that my children share with me about rescuing animals. It can either make you or break you. And then I want to discuss Mother's Day and what we really want. I don't care what time of year it is right now. To me, it's top of mind. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. And you see, when you first started listening to me, it was all about sex, wasn't it? There's more to me than just talking about sex. For instance, I enjoy talking about my children. Now, the part that really kills me, though, is the apples don't fall far syndrome, because my eldest daughter, whether she likes to admit it or not, is the spitting image of me. Everything about me, except she's not as liberal thinking as I am. Go figure. But the one thing that both of us have in common that has gotten us into so much trouble over the years is our love for stray animals and the nurturing that goes hand in hand with this. And these animals of the world seem to find us. It doesn't matter if they're domesticated or not. For instance, I can tell you three times in my life that I've had a stray squirrel climb up my leg. Thank God I was wearing pants. But I mean, out of nowhere. And I sat down in the middle of the sidewalk 
and just let the squirrel sit in my lap. Was I brazen enough to pet him? Yes, because I assumed nothing could happen to me. Nothing. We all think that until something really bad kicks our ass. Three times, a stray squirrel. I told my kids about this, and we called him Squealix because they just assumed it was always the same squirrel. It didn't matter that I was in Chicago once, in Pittsburgh the other time, in New York the third time. This squirrel, it was like Rocky, <laughs> would fly through the air and follow me and find me, whatever city I landed in. Squealix was there. <laughs> How about all the stray dogs I found as a child? I'd bring them home and my mother would scream because she was just like us too. What do you expect me to do with this piece of fur? It's a waste of fur in my house. I'd say, but mom, <gasps> what am I supposed to do with it? So I'm just as guilty. I admit it, but I grew up and so I'd pet a few squirrels I even went up to a horse once. I kid you not, and I just happened to have my phone, and I'm videotaping this horse. This is on YouTube, so I'm not making it up. So I was just walking through a park, and he was in a fenced-in area. This was in South Carolina, a beautiful white horse. I went up to the horse, and he was right at the fence, and I petted him like I stroked his nose, and I said to him, Okay, give me your paw. Now, I know horses don't have paws, and I know you do that with your dog. Give me paw. But I said it to the horse, and I'll be goddamned if that thing didn't pick his foot up for me. <laughs> I've got it on tape. Amazing. So the reason I bring this up is my daughter is moving. She's the only one out of the five that did move to Dallas and has been here a year with her boyfriend, and they live in a very you know nice little area, but they wanted a bigger apartment. While they're moving, they have this lag in time, two weeks, where they need to stay with me and bring their dog, who's like my grand dog. You know, I have nothing negative to say. I love the dog, and I love my daughter and my potential son-in-law. But we got a text today, and my family, all seven of us, have this one text we call family, and we all are a part of this craziness where all seven of us are texting at the same time, and we get a text from her today that says, I want to kill myself. Now, when your child says something like that, the first thought is, all right, what did she do? Second thought is, oh my God, what's wrong? And the third thing is, I need to know where she is right now so I can get there. I don't know if they're in the right order, but it depends on the kid as to which one you think first. Today's issue was, followed by a picture of this little teeny dog that has no fur on it except for the head. It looks like it's a chihuahua size, like my dog, sugar dog. And I said, and what is this picture? And this is all part of a long text. And she said, I opened my door when I was done with my session and the dog jumped in the car. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh my God, Squealix talked to this dog. I said, honey, you do remember that you're moving in with me for the next two weeks and I don't want a dog. No more dogs. There's going to be two dogs. That's enough dogs. Silence. Then the other girls chime in. Oh, so cute. Adorable. I said, does it have a chip? 
My son jumps in and says, how about salsa? So we need a comedian in the middle of this. No chip in the dog. The dog is filthy. The toenails are long, which means it's been on the street forever. And she takes it to a kill shelter where they say to her, we'll give it a few days. And if nobody claims the dog, we will call you and you can have the dog. Which again brings me right back to the same question. What do you plan on doing with this dog when you're living with me? And by the way, you're going to New York on vacation for three or four out of those days. Hmm? Silence. I'm now thinking back to Tracy. I lived in South Carolina with my kids. The three girls lived with me. She lived with her boyfriend and my son was at school. And she came to visit us. She walks in the house and I'm by myself. I don't know where the other kids were. I'm watching TV. She walks in. She's got that look on her face. You know that look when you know your kid has done something or is up to something. And I didn't have to look at her for more than five seconds to see that look. I looked away from her face and continued to watch the TV because I just knew I didn't want to know. She stood there. I finally looked back at her. This is four and a half years ago. I said to her, what? Mom, what? Mom, what? What is it? I looked in her eyes and I said to her, without her saying another word, if it has four legs, it's got to stay outside. But mom, I couldn't help it. I couldn't just leave him there. I said, leave who where? And now she had my full attention. This is all coming back like it was just yesterday. She was driving on the highway, on her way to come see us as a visit, a nice little visit for the weekend. Mind you, this is the first time I'm seeing her, and I already knew that this was coming just from five seconds of looking at her. I was on the highway, Mom, and I saw this dog stuck in the middle in the median of the road. And I pulled over and I, I jumped out of my car and I crossed two lanes and I guided her into my car just to get her into safety. Now, what mother would not want to cry when they hear their child has done something as magnanimous as this? Cry out of frustration. You could have killed yourself and cry out of the goodness of our hearts because we raised our children the right way. But the dog was sitting outside of my front door. And this was no small dog. This was a Rottweiler. I mean, huge. And the poor thing looked so beat up. She walked her into my house as I stood there and watched them walk through the front entrance and knew I was such a sucker. That dog was going to be mine because there was no way she was taking that in the car back to where she came from. So everybody came home and everybody looked and we all came up with different names and I'm just in the state of shock because I know I can't win this without looking like a monster if I say, you know, let's take it to a shelter. The next day, I took all the dogs to the vet just to make sure she didn't have fleas and if she did, it would have spread and got them all their shots, including Tracy. How we came up with that name, I'll never know. But I'll tell you, I fell in love with her. Honest to God, I fell in love with her. 
She was wonderful. What a disposition this dog had. She commanded the house. She ruled the roost. But it was just too much, and I wound up talking to people that I knew at the office and asking if anybody was looking for a dog that had a lot of property. I didn't have enough property for these three dogs. I would have given one of my original dogs away instead. (laughs) I loved this dog so much. (laughs) But I did. I found somebody that had a farm, and she fell in love with this dog. And that's where the dog is today. We had her for a good month, and it just wasn't fair. It was just cruel to keep a dog that size confined to a smaller yard and, you know, not a big enough house. So Tracy wound up leaping into the wonderful arms of my friend and a beautiful farm where she gets to chase horses and sheep and cows and everything. She wound up with a better life than me. (laughs) And so here it is again. I get the text today and I'm adamantly saying, that dog is not coming here. What do you plan on doing with that dog while you're living here? Where is that dog going if you go to New York? And her answer to me, Miss Practicality, is, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, Mom. Like, how many times did she hear me say that to her growing up? So I'm stuck. I'm at the mercy of whether that dog gets found by its owner at the kill shelter, and if it doesn't, it becomes my responsibility all of a sudden whether that animal lives or dies. How in the world does this turn around and wind up on my shoulders every time? I mean, I can't even blame it on the fact that I have five kids. She was my first. I should have learned. (laughs) She had me to herself for three years. She became my clone. I should have stopped. Not that the other four are perfect and neither am I, but you all know where this is going to wind up. That dog's going to wind up with her dog in my house with my dog for two weeks. And when they go to New York, I'm going to be the glamma of the pup. And every carpet in my house is going to be rolled up tight. And I'm going to be recording in between barking, panting, scratching. This is going to be my life for the next two weeks. I can already tell you. Let me just pull out my crystal ball. Dogs are a part of your near future. Multiple dogs. And I know the first thing she's going to do, the minute that dog walks in this house, she's going to say to me, what do you think we should name her, Mom? Like she thinks that's going to hook me. Oh, and it probably will. Brenda. (laughs) Let's call the dog Brenda. I'm already naming a dog that I've never seen, never touched, and know I'm going to own. Do we ever stop being the parents? Ever. Make sure you subscribe to my podcast, Sugar Mom Podcast. You can find me on iTunes. Any of the podcast hosts have my podcast. As we're talking, I hear a noise behind me, and I look, and there is my dog coming out from behind my green screen. That's not a good sign. I got to go. Talk to you next time. I'll let you know what happens. It's Robin. And wait, I still want to talk to you about Mother's Day coming right up on Sugar Mom.
It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. I want to talk about Mother's Day. And you know, our entire adult lives being moms, every time this day comes around, we have this trepidation of having to pretend like we're having a good time. <laughs> our children do the best they can. Our husbands, we pray, do the best for us. And you know, inside our own heads and hearts, is it that our expectations are just too high for our families? Because I find more often than not, what I really, really want for Mother's Day and what I've always wanted since the day my first child was born was to be alone. I can't be by myself on this one. Come on now. I mean, if you have an infant and it's Mother's Day, you've been up every night nursing or feeding or whatever. We need a day alone. And as we add more than one to the equation, possibly two, three, four, five, as in my case, I'm sorry, but the best gift you could ever give me on Mother's Day is time for myself. Wow, how selfish does that sound? But how true and realistic is it? If I were to say that to my children, they'd be offended. Well, maybe not. Maybe they'd love the excuse to say, well, you know what, Mom? I've got plans on Mother's Day because, hey, you didn't want to be with me. <laughs> so I'm going to a party. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should have done from the very beginning. Our husbands are a whole nother story. They don't know what to do for us for Mother's Day. They wind up asking the kids, well, what do you think we should do? Where do you want to take her? What does she want? Has she told you lately what she wants? How could they not know what we want? And don't even try and tell me that the gifts they get you are things you want. Aside from precious downtime being the number one thing that we really want, I just looked at a survey and what was asked is what do most women want for Mother's Day? And not only that, I found the most popular gift in each state, which really matters not, but it's just a part of the article. So it seems that jewelry is the most popular gift in three states, New Jersey, New York, and of all states, Alabama. No rhyme or reason to any of this. It's just a survey. Flowers came in first in three states too, Oregon, Maryland, and Kentucky. So that's six out of how many states do we have? 50? And cash came in first in two states, Kansas, and South Carolina. But if you look at this map, it shows that in the southern states and California, a kind gesture is more than enough for most women on Mother's Day. You see, that's what I should have called it in the first place. Not alone time, a kind gesture. Leave me the hell alone. I'm saying it kindly with a gesture of my hand up in the air. See? Then if you look in the middle of the USA and you look in the upper right middle, clothes and shoes and perfume are hot items. On the West Coast, excluding California, events and gift cards are what women are wanting. All good choices, but I still feel mine's the best. Done as a kind gesture. And every time I say it, I tilt my head to the right and I put my hand up. And I know Mother's Day is supposed to be sentimental. 
We gave birth to these children. We brought them into the world. And we can certainly take them out. And there's one day out of the year that we have to pretend that everything is okay with our kids and our relationship. Yes, so if we had the nastiest drag out down on the ground fight with our daughter the night before, we both have to pretend that it never happened on Mother's Day. It's bullshit. Every day should be Mother's Day. If we had the guts to bring them into this world and give them the luxuries of their lives, every day should be Mother's Day in my book. You love me because I put a roof over your head and I feed you and I cook for you and I take care of your father, even if I don't want to at times. You should be bringing me a homemade card every freaking day of your life. Remember all the times you threw up on me? Because you wouldn't get out of bed to go to the bathroom as I was trying to drag you out of the bed down the hall? Yeah. Throw up all over me. Times five. All five kids have done it. They should be picking a flower from the neighbor's yard and bringing it home to me every day. Even though we've told them never to pick somebody else's flowers. You get my drift. You know where I'm going with this. So Mother's Day is a day of pretending that everything is great. We go out to dinner where our families will embarrass the hell out of us. Two of the kids will bicker. The other two will start. And before you know it, I'm standing in the center of the table with my hands up in the air saying, shut up. Oh, I mean, it's not even Mother's Day yet. And I've exhausted myself this year. All of my children are coming to Dallas. This is a first. They're all coming to me. I have to be on really good behavior this time because they're all staying in my house. And as much as I love the fact that they've made this effort and they bought their own plane tickets, they didn't ask me for anything and I can't wait to see them. I know within 45 minutes, somebody is going to be fighting with somebody else or I'm going to give someone a look that didn't necessarily mean what I meant it to look like and they will misconstrue, misunderstand And they'll say to me, what? (laughs) I already see it all coming. It's happening in my head as we speak. So if you're lucky enough to have a mom, still consider treating her to a very special day of quietness. Take her out Monday for dinner, not Sunday. Leave her alone on Mother's Day. Call her, send her a card, send her some flowers. And then let her do whatever she wants, alone. Just a little advice, as I sit here and wait with open arms for all five to wind up on my doorstep, I actually had to call one of them to say, did you happen to make reservations for any place on Sunday? And of course they didn't, so I'm already aggravated. Oh, it never ends. When you're a mom and you have children, you are always the mom. It never stops, and they will always be the kids. I knew when my parents were alive that I would never stop being the child as long as they were alive. I would always have to answer to them as long as I lived. I knew it, and they probably were feeling exactly what I'm feeling. Jesus, God Almighty, is this child ever going to grow up? Whether you're 40 or 50, it doesn't matter. You're still the kid if your parents are alive. So do your mom a favor. 
Buy her some pretty flowers. Don't pick them from the neighbor's yard. Send them to her. Maybe pop in just to say, Hi, Mom, I love you. And leave her the hell alone. Good? Just think about it. It's Robin Marshall. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Much love. America's number one sugar mom. Heading out. <laughs>